Chapters thirty two and thirty three of Philomene's Marriages by Henri Greville. Translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty two. Confidences. After dinner, Verroy, having apparently regained his amiability, went out to smoke his cigar on the balcony, and Philomene followed her cousin into the small drawing room where she generally worked. You are going away, said she to her, sitting down by her side on the sofa yes i must it is a business journey you have not spoken of it i knew nothing about it this morning its necessity has only just become apparent madame crepin asked herself whether masson had not something to do with this affair but the idea seemed so improbable to her that she gave it up immediately but if her cousin went away what would become of the confidence she had made up her mind to make her would it not be better to assure herself of the young woman's kindness before her departure so as to profit largely by her absence for realizing her ambitious hopes with the beetle-like obstinacy particular to persons who are much infatuated with themselves she decided to burn her ships i shall be gone perhaps when you return said she to her why philomene kept silent and lowered her head are you unhappy here asked the young woman with a vague impression that her husband martyrized her when she was not there to protect her unhappy i am as happy here as one could be anywhere in the world but it is time for me to leave i have remained here only too long why asked marie again for her phrase was turned in such a manner as to provoke this question inevitably do you wish to know the reason certainly since i have asked it of you philomene seemed to collect herself for a supreme effort and really it did cost her something her self-love blinded her sufficiently to hide to herself the absurdity of her aspirations but a sort of sincere shame arrested the words on her lips just as she was about to make the confession of her weakness if only she had not sworn so many times that after having loved the captain so much she could never look at another man no matter who he was imprudent words why does one utter them would it not be a hundred times wiser to keep what one thinks to oneself she promised herself to do so in the future but not this time of course and this was where her great wisdom was in default since you wish to know it said she turning her face half aside covered with confusion and blushes it is on account of masson marie thought she had not heard rightly in reality she had only understood wrongly masson has he been disagreeable to you he why he is the best of man and the most amiable but then this is it my dear i fear if i should see him often and for a long while that i should become too much attached to him you masson too much attached to him excuse me dear i do not understand you philomene then lost all precaution after the first avowal which had cost her something she knew no more bounds and she continued on the giddy descent of confessions with the ever-increasing rapidity of a wagon that descends a slope by itself yes i know very well that at my age it is ridiculous and especially after having loved my poor husband so much but it is not my fault i have too loving a nature i have not been spoiled in the way of affectionate words and kind treatment and masson has been so kind to me so obliging and has shown me so much affection that i have not been able to resist it my poor philomene said marie who was dumbfounded and felt pity for the strange passion which 
under stress of circumstances might have had birth in the mind of a consolable widow you have asked me why i have not had any appetite for two weeks it is on account of this i feel i am failing in health i do not sleep at night i know it is madness and i have done everything i could to keep myself from it this was an audacious untruth never had philomene from her cradle endeavoured to hold herself back from any abyss whatever she had on the contrary sought with admirable persistency and lucidity everything that might satisfy one of her desires to please one of her fancies and only refused herself things when destiny after several repetitions made her at length realize that it did not intend to gratify her marie kept silence seeing which her cousin began to weep tears possess among their other advantages this one that they oblige the witness of their grief to prefer marks of sympathy from which otherwise she would probably have refrained this manner of proceeding had its usual effect for madame verroy leaned towards philomene and caressed her affectionately by tapping her on her shoulder madame crepin buried her tear-covered confused face deeper in her handkerchief come philomene be reasonable calm yourself said the kind woman taking her hand but philomene did not wish to be reasonable nor to calm herself and her cousin took advantage of her agitation to reflect during which time the current of her tears exhausted itself alone in madame verroy's upright mind madame crepin's love for masson was one of the most unfortunate things that could have happened to her incapable of understanding the mixture of ambition of jealousy of contemptible or bad feelings that had presided at the birth and development of this fortuitous passion she saw in it one of those unlucky accidents that are common to women who live without intellectual or moral occupation at the age that a clever novelist who well understood women's hearts has characterized as the crisis it is not the unhappy woman's fault she said to herself she was alone a widow without children and her modest competency even turned against her in taking from her the preoccupation of procuring her daily bread masson appeared to her like a sort of enchanter a being from another world and she loved him foolishly yes foolishly it was impossible not to acknowledge this a peasant woman forty years old endowed with a little common sense would never have cast her eyes on an actor a man of the world several years younger than herself and as little suited to her as an old french saying goes as a silk stocking for an ox evidently philomene had been wanting from first to last in all the qualities of an intelligent woman but what was there to do about it when marie thought philomene had wept sufficiently she said to her come what do you wish me to do would you like me to beg masson to cease his visits here during the time that your business still retains you in paris as she was asking this question the young woman said to herself that her cousin's business was not very important and that it had lasted a long time why had not the imprudent philomene remedied the evil by taking a flight at an opportune moment oh no exclaimed madame crepin hastily he would guess why and i would die of shame not the least danger of it in the world replied marie it very often happens that we close our doors to all our friends for a week or two when charles has some hurried work to finish and no one asks any other explanation of our seclusion no no philomene murmured faintly do not prevent his coming here i shall soon go away i shall perhaps never see him again let me do so while i am here then it will be over madame verroy thought all this very childish and very unworthy of a woman of her age whose misfortunes should have protected her from such infatuations 
but this poor philomene fed herself on novels it was but little astonishing therefore that her ideas should be romantic however she could not help saying to her you would do better not to see him since it cannot result in anything for you wounded to the quick but still cunning as ever the widow continued the attack from another side i know very well that it can result in nothing said she it is not necessary for you to make me realize my folly the difference in age between us five years renders all idea of marriage ridiculous i know so don't distress yourself oh answered marie much annoyed it is not the difference in age i know some very clever men who have married women not five but ten years older than themselves and who are nevertheless perfectly happy what hindrance is there then according to you asked madame crepin in the state of mind of a cock who meets another on his own dung-heap there is the difference of habits of education of surroundings said marie with a certain discouraged tone it was decidedly becoming very difficult for her to make any ideas enter her cousin's head without saying disagreeable things to her alas replied philomene in a sweet and plaintive voice i know very well that i have not been brought up in a city but as far as regards education my cousin charles has been very happy with you and you knew no more than i do when you married him now there is the question of fortune but has not masson said a hundred times that he would consider it the height of happiness to live at la huserie on a small income just enough to make the two ends meet it is the simplicity of his taste that has influenced me in his favour as i listened to him talking i said to myself there is a man who has exactly my tastes and ideas and that was another thing that attracted me towards him and then he resembles my late husband so much that is why i loved him at first sight like juliet with romeo thought marie the ridiculous part her cousin was acting in trying to justify herself in this way began to fill her with merriment that was but little in harmony with the occasion i cannot however tell her she thought that we are going to try to marry her idol and virginie mon dieu how furious she would be meanwhile she wished to end the scene and she had a bright idea would you like me to speak to him about it said madame verroy so that you might know what to expect no no said philomene delighted and shaking her head gently no i beg of you do not speak to him about it if anything is to happen i prefer it should come from him this language was enigmatical but nevertheless clear you mean to say that the proposal should come from him however as you have spoken to me about it i might insinuate marie hoped in this way to obtain a means for sending her cousin back to her own fireside that had been too long abandoned once masson should have cut short her matrimonial fancies philomene would hurry away of course to hide her disgrace at Dielette. but madame crepin through having played too close a game overthrew at once her own and marie's wishes no said she faintly let the proposal come from himself you will have to wait a long time for it marie thought but as she had a very honest nature she did not once imagine that her no meant yes and she swore to philomene as well as to herself that she would keep the most absolute silence about it madame crepin was dumbfounded at this most unhoped-for result you will not speak to him about it she said again in a doubtful tone i give you my word of honour i will not speak to him of it until you have betrayed yourself your word of honour you have it philomene heaved a great sigh thanks said she for she was obliged to thank her though greatly against her will 
marie arose heaving another sigh of relief this time after all she would be sure of sending her cousin home to her penance as soon as masson's marriage would be arranged it was only a question of a few more days now and so she busied herself without delay about the preparations for her departure are you going away to-morrow madame crepin asked whose eyes were completely dry yes far away no will you spend the night in the railway no i shall arrive in the evening will you be long away i do not know i do not understand how your husband can allow you to go away alone in autumn in such cold weather he ought to go with you he has something else to do and then it is necessary that someone should remain here of course i will be here said philomene proudly i am much obliged but it is impossible by the way during my absence masson will take his meals here it annoys me on your account but it was arranged and i could not foresee it does not matter my dear interrupted philomene beaming with delight i told you that you could not give me a greater pleasure than that of his society all the better then said marie in that sort of bad humour both angry and resigned that takes possession of us when we see an idiotic person determined to do himself harm in spite of all we have done to prevent him try to order them good dinners to console them does masson need to be consoled for your absence said madame crepin maliciously eh eh who knows replied marie who was thinking of virginie and of the problematical result of her undertaking her cousin gave her in an underhand way so black a look that the young woman without having directly perceived it felt a disagreeable sensation run over her but there was no use in looking at philomene her face bore her scrutiny without frowning in a good-natured indifferent way let them manage as they can said she to herself thinking of the two men the two together will be a strong enough party for her when she at last found herself alone with her husband that is to say very late at night in their bedroom she laid her hands on his shoulders and looking him well in the face guess said she to him the most surprising the most marvellous etc etc news i never guess said charles lazily must i tell it to you i advise you to do so if you have the slightest desire i should know it philomene is in love verrois looked at his wife and burst out laughing and covered his face with his hands in order to stifle it on account of the existing circumstances that antique turtle dove said he ah oh, that is splendid do you know with whom with whom eh hey, parbleu with masson who told you asked his wife surprised i never guessed but i observe i did not believe our cousin capable of such stupidity but if she is it can only be with masson i have suspected it a hundred times what a face he will put on when he knows it don't tell him of it i beg you i have given my word of honour that he shall know nothing about it have you done so at your age oh marie i thought you had more common sense but when she besought me to do so it meant tell him i implore you well so much the worse i promised and i must keep my word and then he would be too much annoyed the poor fellow we will tell it to him when his marriage is arranged he will have a consolation in his hands at least then and he well deserves it philomene in love who would have believed it but it was sure to be she loved her husband too much not to love another afterwards on the first opportunity 
Chapter Thirty Three An Envoy Plenipotentiary. The next day, toward six o'clock in the evening, the train deposited Madame Verroy at a pretty, modest, primitive, whitewashed little station that was in charge of some Burgundian officials who were robust and ruddy, like people who inhabit a country where living is not dear and where they drink their wine without water one of the stalwart men received the small ticket which marie presented him as she passed through the gate of a sort of poultry-yard fence that protected the rights of the station from the invasion of the populace and she found herself in the most complete solitude a yellow omnibus with a sleepy horse was to be seen stationed near in the twilight but no one seemed to trouble himself about her and madame verroy went and sat in the omnibus to wait in about five minutes time another burgundian as square of shoulders as the others came out of a small cafe that bore a sign on which was pompously written in large letters cafe de la gare the which seemed none the less asleep than all its surroundings the man approached the omnibus spoke to his horse arranged the harness and said well my coco our duty is done let us go to supper eh cried marie just as the good fellow was putting his foot on the first step of the breakneck ladder that led to the coachman's seat that was as honourable as it was perilous some one said the other excuse me madame i did not see you are you going to x and you asked the young woman coco and i are here expressly for that said he with a good hearty laugh but we never have to carry many travellers there at this season or at any other for that matter it is not far off madame and effectively a few minutes after the so-called pavement of the small village was making marie shake in the omnibus like a nut in its shell and then the omnibus with a great rattling of old iron went under a porte cochere and stopped in front of a lighted window where are we madame verroy asked the brisk tidy little maid who came to open the omnibus door at the hotel du pigeon d'or madame at your service the pigeon d'or sheltered the railway station omnibus which would have been an excellent thing for the hotel did it ever bring any travellers in it but as none ever came its hosts lived quietly on the income that their vineyards brought them dining well supping better never putting any water in their wine and were not far from considering the arrival of any one whom they would be obliged to shelter as a domestic calamity which disturbed them in their comfortable tranquillity however marie looked so pleasant and such cordiality seemed to emanate from her whole person that the hostess unfrowned and finally madame masson's name entirely brightened up her countenance eh indeed yes i do know her the good lady have you come to see her you don't bring her any bad news i hope none in the world said marie do i look like a bearer of evil tidings no indeed as to that but you see excepting her son who comes to see her sometimes she never receives any visits a long while ago her brother the late abbe often came here but since his death the poor lady only sees the people of the place does she retire late asked the young woman who was impatient to begin her campaign she does not sleep much on account of her age she goes to bed early but as she does not sleep if you would like to see her nothing is easier we will send and tell her you are going marie thought for a moment then she wrote on a visiting card madame verroy whom madame masson doubtless knows by name is passing through the town and would like to see her so as to give her some news of her son whom she saw in good health yesterday in paris this message was carried by a curly-headed boy who returned galloping and out of breath and communicated to marie the result of his errand in this succinct form come at once without taking your supper exclaimed the hostess clasping her hands on a level with her nose which every one knows expresses deep desolation i will take my supper when i return said the young woman smiling a tantôt 
the hostess was much annoyed thinking that the supper would simmer for an hour two hours who knew perhaps longer on the ashes but as her husband remarked to her our trade demands it she joined the worthy man in the dining-room where a savoury ragout was smoking conducted by the curly-headed boy marie soon reached a small house preceded by a little parterre that was ornamented with a large silvered glass ball placed on an old moss-covered stone pedestal that formed the drollest contrast with it this ball was a present from masson who going through the palais royal one day stopped before it saying to himself i have never seen anything as frightful as that i am going to send it to mamma she will be delighted with it which he did then and there marie entered the house a young servant-maid led her to a bedroom that was furnished in old-fashioned style with an alcove bed hung with very old light grey-coloured damask the wallpaper was bright the rococo armchairs offered their twisted arms to those of the visitor and a handsome new lamp the last present from an absent son illuminated the rosy tranquil face of an old lady who had regular features hair as white as silver and who half rose to salute the newcomer you do not bring me bad news i hope madame said she in a feeble voice that was still young and very sweet on the contrary said marie approaching the smiling eyes and the young woman's frank manner inspired madame masson with confidence immediately but a fresh alarm embittered her new trust i do not remember your name said she scrutinizing her visitor's face and clothes while her hands rested on the arms of her chair you know my husband's better doubtless your son calls him charles and he passed a month with us this summer in normandy ah you are charles's wife exclaimed the old lady becoming reassured and letting herself fall back on the cushion that supported her shoulders i am very glad to see you tell me is my son well very well he sent you a thousand tender messages why did he not come he acts every night yes and he imperils his soul every night the more ah my poor boy if he would only have listened to me he would have been the cure of our parish by this time and it would have been he who would have prepared his poor infirm mother for a better life he had no vocation for it said marie unable to suppress a smile he is thinking of something quite different now and that is why i have come here what said his mother drawing herself up he wishes to marry to wed an adventuress an actress no words could render the indignant contemptuous alarmed accent that madame masson gave those words an actress the very serpent which it is said tempted our mother eve could not have inspired her with more horror seeing the ice was broken marie plunged bravely into the middle of her story you have guessed rightly madame said she he wishes to marry never never the old lady exclaimed wounded in her maternal pride never will i call one of those shameless creatures who dishonour our sex my daughter you can tell him i refuse my consent he can well wait until i am dead before he inflicts this shame on me he will not have long to wait we will speak about it presently said marie gently now i wish to tell you something else but as the story is a little long you will pardon me if i begin at the beginning madame masson who was still trembling with indignation settled herself again in her armchair and fixed her penetrating eyes on marie's face i must tell you began the young woman that at dielette where we were this summer and where your son came to join us we had an adventure we have as a neighbour there an elderly lady named madame aubier 
who is an excellent woman and whom we all love very much i know said madame masson my son wrote me about her he did well i am sure that if you knew her you would love her also one day or rather one afternoon she set out to make us a visit was taken on the road with an attack of asthma and nearly suffocated asthma is very dangerous said the old lady my brother the abbe died of it he used some drops that were a sovereign remedy for that illness you cannot imagine the marvellous cures they have made i will give you the receipt for your friend marie thanked her saying to herself the while that the sovereign drops ought to have prevented the abbe from dying madame aubier she continued was fortunately not alone when the attack seized her she was accompanied by a charming young girl her goddaughter who is very fond of her and who passes every year a part of the summer with her virginie she is called virginie did all she could at first for her and then brought her to our house my husband and your son hastened to accompany our good friend to her home the distance was long and a little before reaching there the poor woman fainted and the two gentlemen carried her to her dwelling and we were all obliged to pass the night at dielette my son has been well brought up by his mother said madame masson proudly he knows what is due to an aged and respectable woman i am glad to see that the bad life he has lived has not stifled all honest feelings in his heart i assure you dear madame that your son is as good a man as your maternal heart could desire few mothers have such sons you are well aware of it however for he does not prove his affection to you simply in words the old lady acquiesced by a nod with her head and marie continued her story it would be impossible to tell you dear madame what touching care the young girl lavished on her godmother no daughter ever cared for or loved her mother better virginie buron is not at all an ordinary person although her father is a simple farmer a country landowner and gave his only child but a seminary education she has i know not what charm or rather i do well know what is the charm of the purity and virginal modesty that makes her the most attractive person in the world she does not need to know so much in order to be an accomplished woman said madame masson with dignity when i married i scarcely knew how to read or write i learned what i know from habit and from the necessity of busying myself with my affairs and my housekeeping later on on account of my son i have read works works of another kind marie's eyes asked in what these works differed from those which madame masson did not mention the old lady pointed to a small library where if it had been lighter might have been seen all the modern and classical plays in which masson had taken part since he entered the conservatoire as she did not understand the matron added they are the plays in which my son has taken part within herself marie admired the devoted mother who could not help procuring for herself the works of damnation in which her son lost his soul but at the bottom of her conscience did she really think him so culpable or did she only persist in an opinion she had formerly expressed when under the influence of a more rigid way of thinking this the young woman never knew i return to our adventure continued marie smiling this young girl as i have said won all our hearts and it was a real fete day for us when she came to see us her godmother's illness deprived us of her visits and we got into the way of going to see her almost every day your son went with us of course and what was strange madame aubier became so fond of him that his departure was a great sorrow to her the poor woman said madame masson with complacency 
two months have since passed and we have just heard that a person living at dielette a man forty years old possessing a very modest fortune and a character that can be but little recommended as far as we could judge has asked for and almost obtained virginie's hand imagine our sorrow why does he wish to marry this young person said the old lady much interested because she has some money she has eighteen hundred francs income in government securities and for that man ready money is a desirable thing as he wishes to use it to pay his debts is it in three per cents no in five madame masson meditated for a moment it is very interesting said she after a silence but i do not see very clearly what my son has to do with all this it is virginie buron whom your son loves and desires to marry concluded marie with truly meritorious modesty madame masson leaned a little forward examined the young woman's face attentively then let herself sink backward with a slight sigh and kept silence the moment when a mother hears that her son is seriously thinking of founding a family for himself and separating himself irrevocably from the maternal nest is always a painful one so long as he is not married she may secretly hope with that egotism that is the foundation of almost all love that he will remain a bachelor and will come to pass with her those years of rest that men are obliged to take when they have established their lives and are growing old if the son who is always clung to more closely by the mother than the father thinks of marrying the first maternal desire is to find that the young girl possesses a great number of faults so that to withhold her consent may be an act of wisdom with what triumphant sweetness does she then refuse to favour a union that will give her child unhappiness never will she have loved him so much as at this very moment when she is sending him to despair but when the marriage is acceptable the young girl without reproach then the mother's heart which is obliged by reason to accept an end that all desire suffers with an indescribable bitterness she experiences the same feelings as a sovereign who abdicates she does in effect abdicate and not in favour of her son but rather for a stranger who often is hated for this cause without having deserved it and which in fact cannot be surprising so natural is it to our weak nature madame verroy read all these feelings on the old woman's wrinkled face and she waited patiently till the new idea had made its way after a long meditation madame masson raised her eyes which she had kept cast down and said in a simple way if i refuse what will happen your son will remain at the theatre which he likes but little and will try to console himself by those distractions that are peculiar to that mode of life the old lady shrugged her shoulders with a movement of anger if you accept continued the ambassadress and if you consent to give him a little help he will leave his theatrical career for ever will he do that exclaimed his mother with youthful vivacity i assure you he will marie then entered into a thousand material details she explained how father buron would never accept as his son-in-law any man who had not a fortune equivalent at least to his daughter's and that moreover masson leaving the theatre and having no hope of enriching himself rapidly by the sale of his water-colour drawings could not live entirely at his wife's expense but madame interrupted madame masson proudly my son is rich i have six thousand francs income of which i only spend the third this house belongs to me and i have no other heir she stopped and then added almost immediately i have always intended to give my son four thousand francs income in government securities in five per cents madame on the day he would leave the theatre 
i have begged him enough to do it mon dieu but i had my trouble for nothing it seems that mademoiselle virginie has not had as much difficulty in obtaining what he has always obstinately refused me she does not know that he loves her said marie gently ah said madame masson with a certain respectful tone and he does he know that he is loved he hopes so here marie related lavenel's pursuit the young girl's despairing letter and what madame aubier had done you can said she in conclusion do both of them a great deal of good or a great deal of harm according as you will be favourable or not to their plans for it is on yourself alone that their happiness depends as there is no doubt that father buron will consent to replace an old son-in-law with but little money with another who is young amiable and richer this machiavellian phrase touched a sensitive chord in the old lady's heart for she smiled without replying then we will talk of it again said she i must think it over i will return to-morrow said marie rising and you will tell me what you have decided if only he had come himself said madame masson who felt a desire for finding fault with some one it would have been polite respectful but young men he did not dare to do so dear madame nothing could be more respectful than that fear of displeasing you a smile of satisfaction broke upon the old lady's lips and marie saw that she had won the game the next morning madame masson made some objections but rather for form's sake than anything else in reality the idea of having her son leave the theatre delivered her from so much pain and removed from her so heavy a weight that she had carried for such a long time that the sorrow of having a daughter-in-law could not be compared to it and then this daughter-in-law was a simple girl ignorant of cities and their abominations but what a misfortune that he had not rather chosen a girl from her country however on looking at this last question a little nearer madame masson had not been able to discover one that suited her which was not astonishing for virginie herself would have had difficulty in finding grace in her eyes had she lived in her town an old proverb says no one is a prophet in his own country alas the smaller the country the more difficult is it to pass for a prophet in it the night train bore madame verroy to paris provided with an authorization in good form allowing masson to propose for virginie beuron and to marry her the said masson being able to prove a personal fortune of four thousand francs income in governmental securities in five per cents chapters thirty two and thirty three